Good evening. It is Monday, September 11th, 2017. Welcome back to the JME Sports Blog Podcast. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Rob. How you hey, doing, Rob? how's everybody doing? No. Doing all right? <laughs> all right. Still feeling good after win number two? Yep. Let's hope it's win number two of many. Um, longest winning streak in Division One. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so welcome, everybody. We're all fresh off the JMU home opener. Big, big win over East Tennessee State. Uh, in many ways, unsurprising. But Rob and I are going to do our what's becoming our normal thing. We'll do four downs from last week's game. We'll do a concern heading into next week or down the road in the season. And then we're going to do a little around the FCS, uh, some notable scores from the first couple of weeks, notable games. And we'll make it, give you a quick, a quick game day update coming. Uh, not anything big, just kind of the countdown clock. And uh, we'll finish off topic as usual. So I guess I've been making Rob start every week with first down, so I'll take first down this week. Well, it's actually easier to go. It's you know, motion, choose whatever you want. You get, get the easy ones out of the way, and then you're forced to scramble on, on three and four. That's right. All right, well, in that case, Rob, I'll give you the first one. What is your oh, first man. notable thing from the game? Oh, I was, I was actually still kind of cramming. But, All um, right, I got Now, I, I, Yeah, you can go. I, I've taken. I've well, taken I just want to say one. my first down – um, is sort of non-football related. I wasn't able to make it to the game this week. Um, got to watch on Matt's own very happily. But my first thing was just the uh, the student turnout early in the game. I was blown away that the students had packed the stadium early. I know this is a little bit of a little bit of a thing they usually do in the first week when they're all fired up from getting back to school. But I think coming off the national championship, anyone. I mean, if you're a freshman or sophomore. Right now, you're you're probably more plugged in early in the season than many classes before you. So, despite the fact that uh, a lot of JMU fans have been upset at the that the fans in the stadium or the noise, the, yes, that the students oh. didn't know to quiet down on third and fourth down. Um, despite it, 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 yeah. it wasn't just the students, I will say there were people <laughs> in our section too, um, and and then you know people loudly yelling at them to be quiet, and it was like the reply to all emails telling everybody to stop replying to all, <laughs> kind of just cycle. Um, what that I can see that that is somewhat of a legit gripe, but if that's our biggest problem with the game day experience, things yeah. are going a okay. That's that's kind of what I was thinking was like, look, if we have to suffer through that for a couple of weeks to get everybody up up to speed and back in football mode, we'll take it if it means that there are eight thousand students in there yelling in the first quarter. Um, yeah, no, they they were great, and yeah. I guess kudos to the stadium staff doing a better job getting them in the stadium. Uh, I know in years past we've seen students lined up, you know, three four minutes into the first quarter, still waiting to get in. So the whole operation seemed to be pretty smooth. And there were a couple new wrinkles to the in-stadium experience, um, whatever, the T-shirt cannon, things like that. It was, <laughs> it was really well done all around. It was, it was a great day and great crowd, students and regular folks like us. So good job, JMU. Good job, JMU Nation. Yeah. Rob, you want to go on second down here? Yeah. Um, I was really impressed with the uh, passing game. And mm-hmm. That's no surprise. I think everybody was. But we mentioned during our, our preview that the receivers were a bit of a concern. You know, we thought there was a lot of talent there, but we weren't sure how they'd respond or one one guy would stand out. They've just got a foursome right now that, that really looks quite dangerous. Uh, Eldridge has been fantastic, really showed some, some great hands, made a terrific 
touchdown catch at the end. I don't know how many people are still watching at that point, <laughs> but uh, short thread went in there. He caught it in traffic. Great catch. He also made an outstanding third down catch on the sidelines. Yeah, that was the one where Shore was scrambling around by the goal line, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was really, it was really. I, actually, that was. I asked James. I, I took James, my youngest son, to the game. He's seven years old and big football fan. And driving home, he wanted to talk about his three favorite plays, and two of them happened to be Eldridge's catches. The other one was the tipped uh, interception. But um, Stapleton, I thought was great. It was, you know, he's a big guy, knows how to use his body well. All the receivers, Miller, Hyman, um, Stapleton, and Eldridge, I thought did a great job of going out and just getting the ball. That's something here, like announcers talk about and mm-hmm. the difference between letting it come to you and really just kind of grabbing it out of the air. Mm-hmm. They all were really aggressive. Um, which which seemed to be really really effective, obviously when you're getting it, but it seemed to give Shore the confidence to squeeze it in there with tight windows. Mm-hmm. So just I was I was really impressed, and it's only going to get better. When yeah. Clue when Clue comes back this week, and then and then all's in what three weeks? Yep. So. And uh, yeah, that first the Stapleton catch that was down in the corner where our seats are, sort of down in the corner that wraps around to the band. Yeah, you know, that was very reminiscent of some Damo Taylor plays from last year. Or some. Daniel Brown plays from yesteryear. Plexico Burris, man. <laughs> Just let, let the big guy go get it. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I obviously was delighted with Ish. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really in the bag for him. And unfortunately, you know, he did, he did drop that one touchdown. Yeah. Uh, but made a bunch of plays and, and certainly is leading, leading the charge for this team early on in the season. So big, big shout out to the passing game and the wide receivers all the way around um for third down i do i I feel like i have some amends to make um special teams were great (laughs) yeah yeah right i mean they had a punt return for a touchdown although it was a short one they had a longer return that wasn't a touchdown uh tyler gray perfect on the day no no complaints um good to see him getting back in the groove I, i think generally no, no real complaints on special teams, and, and some of the small issues that we were worried about from week one seem to be cleaned up. And I, I don't know. There's a really funny clip out there of uh, Robert Carter, number thirty-six, just killing a guy on special teams. That was great. So, uh, special teams for me was a was a big highlight, and, and one thing that really distinguished JMU last year, and hopefully can do the same again this year. So it'll be nice. And, of course, as we get more players back from suspension, I think that will only add to, as it kind of trickles down to the guys that are playing more significantly on special teams, should only get better. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rob, for fourth down? Um, I'm going to say the, the Duke's D. I mean, it's kind of odd. You score 52 points. Mm-hmm. Um, you think it's all about the offense, and clearly that's what a lot of us as fans kind of gravitated talking about. But the defense was just outstanding. I mean, they absolutely shut down East Tennessee State. I don't know what sort of offensive weapons they really have. We didn't get to see much because no. Jamie was just crushing with the line. I mean, the poor quarterback was running for his life, um, yep. never looked comfortable. They, what, they have like eight tackles for loss. I mean, the running game couldn't get going. They just absolutely crushed it uh, in the trenches. And they continue to play that press coverage. Uh, oftentimes, you know, just maybe one safety or no safety is going man-to-man press. And nobody was getting open when they right. were. Great tackling, too. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, yeah. yeah. So just good open field tackling, but that's a very impressive unit. And I think it's only going to get better. Definitely. And, and it, the weird thing in this game, I think, was, uh, you know, the score got away. It was funny because it reminded me of a couple games last year. I thought East Tennessee State 
generally had a better plan approaching JMU than East Carolina did. Um, yeah. You know, they yeah. sold out to stop the run and did a really good job of that. They seemed to have some idea what they wanted to do on offense, even if they weren't really capable of doing it because of the talent gap. Um, but it, it was definitely, a you know, the score didn't indicate it, and it was 21 nothing in the first quarter, so it kind of got away from them. But it, it was a reminder of just how bad ECU may be, as was the ECU. The West Virginia sport, Yeah, just yeah. getting housed by West Virginia this weekend. No, I mean, I, mean, I think we mentioned it last week, but while that was certainly exciting, great way to kick off the season, mm-hmm. that win is not going to age well. That's no. not, it's not a fine wine, and it's not going to get better. <laughs> We're going to look back and just go – Okay, yeah, everybody else beat them like that too. Uh, right. Still impressive. Any FCS yep. win sure. over FBS is big, and it's always great to come out of the, come out of the gates, start a season like that. But ECU's in, in a bad place right now. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun to beat. I mean, you know, it was fun to beat SMU a couple years ago, but as we talked about back in the season preview, a lot more fun to beat a team that is relevant to JMU fans like ECU. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. After that, Rob, we'll move on to uh, maybe, you know, again, we're 52 to 10, giving up three points defensively. Hard to, hard to argue with the Duke's um, result this weekend. But we did want to talk about maybe one concern coming away from the game. And I'll, yeah. Rob, you go ahead and yeah, go first. I assume, I assume we're both going to talk about the same thing, but the anemic rushing attack. Yeah. Um, uh, credit to East Tennessee State. You know, I don't want to just say that JMU didn't didn't operate or didn't effectively run their plan. East Tennessee State made some plays. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they did a good job, but I still expected JMU to eventually get something going or wear them out, and they never really did. You know, they, they ran the ball effectively once, uh, one series, but it was like one of the ones I think they had a turnover or something, so it was like a 20-yard drive. Mm-hmm. Marshall a couple nice runs there. Uh, overall, though, they just – couldn't open up holes, and the few times they did, I felt like there was a lot of confusion running backs running into the backup players, or other times it was just East Tennessee State guys making plays. But um, that was a little bit concerning, you know. After the really impressive performance two two games ago to open the season, I expected more, and we just did not see it on on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I think for me that was definitely my the first thing I thought of for this as well. And then rewatching the game a little bit yesterday, I guess to the extent there's any way to be an apologist for this, um, we certainly didn't see a lot, at least in the part of the game that was where the, you know, the first half where the game was in doubt. In the ECU game, we saw a lot of opportunities where JMU kind of lined up in that diamond formation where they were trying yeah. to get, you know, two, three, four of those of their, you know, stable of backs into the game at the same time. This looked a lot more vanilla. And you'd have to think that was probably by design in a game that as much as Houston was pumping up, the Buccaneers was probably thinking JMU could roll away with. So I think that's a fair point. Yeah. It did have more more the look of a uh, preseason game yeah. I mean, than, they did, than last week's. They didn't really work Sharp and Woods into the game much at all in the first part of the game, you know, yeah. where they were kind of designing things for, for different plays. So maybe that's a little bit of a a little bit of a bright spot, I guess, or a silver lining to this. Yeah. Um, my, I don't think it's certainly not a panic. Point no, no. My, my other concern is just general expectations, um, both from the team themselves internally and fans. And I think we all, as we talked about, I mean, ECU is not good. East Tennessee state is not good. Um, you know, but you do worry I, at this point, seeing ECU get crushed again 
and obviously JMU is going to roll, likely roll by more points than they did this week, um, this coming week against Norfolk State. You know, they've got Maine coming up after that, a team that, you know, lost by one, missed extra point to New Hampshire in week one, and then won this week and, and was down, you know, was right in the game with the Dukes last year. I think it was 24-20 up there midway through the fourth quarter, and the Dukes won 31-20. But I, I guess my one concern would just be I hope that the players and the team, and I, and I do have faith in Houston that he won't let this happen, but you know, don't read the clippings after this week. This 3-0 start is basically preseason, and I think that main game may be, may be a bit of a wake-up call for the team. That would certainly be a concern of mine going forward. Yeah, I'm glad it's at home. It's always tough to go up there, Yeah, uh, particularly late in the season. Um, I think that's a good point. And generally speaking, you know, in FCS in particular, we really don't know who's good and who's not. You know, I don't know what to make of this North Dakota State win over Eastern Washington. Right. Yes. Yeah, uh, I'm not our, sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know if, if that's a great win, if it's just indicative that it isn't Eastern Washington's year or what, because they, they lost to Texas Tech last weekend. So right. it's very tough because you don't have a lot of kind of marquee matchups. Um, that's, that's an obvious exception. Mm-hmm. Uh, most times it's kind of just these preseason-ish going through the motion, the equivalent of, of you know, the, the, they're just buy games. You know, it's, it seems like Jamie's scheduling tune-ups. Yep. So it's very difficult to know. I can never figure out Villanova or Richmond. Every year I get excited three or four weeks into it, being like, oh, they're, they're not any good. But we just don't know. No. Um, you know, you look at week one, Sam Houston State and Richmond. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. Sam Houston State had a lot to play for after the way JMU embarrassed them. It's a difficult trip. Uh, Richmond, you know, you can kind of write that one off. Yeah. Then they come back and they really struggle against Colgate. And clearly JMU has a history <laughs> with Colgate, so right. I don't want to – disparage them but that was a game i think most of us thought richmond would bounce back and win by two touchdowns yeah um, yeah as we go sort of around the fcs with some notable scores from the first couple of weeks i mean that's a good thing to point out is it's really hard to know what to make of richmond at this point they have a new coach um new staff in there and it is i think very excusable the same houston state loss you know that game got moved because of hurricane harvey for another week and then obviously you know got moved to Baylor Stadium I think the Sam Sam Houston players and and fan base probably had felt like they had an awful lot to play for in that game both because of the way they finished against JMU and because of what was going on down there in Texas at the time yeah and then to see but then it was really surprising to see Richmond you know win on a late field goal against Colgate this week for sure Um, Rob mentioned the North Dakota State they did beat Eastern Washington this week so it's it's hard to know the the big sky doesn't get a lot of that's eastern washington's conference doesn't get a lot of opportunities to play big games out of conference um eastern washington i was glad to see i mean one of the other games from week one or week zero depending on how you look at it was jacksonville state beat chattanooga um jacksonville state really good team chattanooga we expect to be very good and then uh chattanooga lost a 1a game this weekend um, same thing. So I, I was I was kind of glad to see the polls not punish either Chattanooga or Eastern Washington too much for being 0-2, given the sort of audacious nature of their schedules early in the season. Yeah, cause Chattanooga was at LSU. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's about as tough that, as they that's get. That's a loss. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a loss. <laughs> Saturday nights in Baton Rouge, there's a, there's a lot of SEC teams that fear that. Yeah. Um, so that that's just, 
you, you take your lumps and you go home. Yeah. Uh, I respect both those programs for the way they schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, um, particularly <laughs> Eastern Washington. I, I would love to get a home and home with North Dakota State, as would a lot of fans. Maybe that's something that would happen down the road. But yeah. Um, it's good to see those sort of big FCS games. The other one that kind of caught my eye was um, Monmouth, just beat yeah. up on Lehigh. Yeah. And, you know, you go through the motions and the kind of the transitive nature, or transitive property of fans. I started wondering, like, again, is Villanova not that good? You know, they hardly handled Lehigh. But I think Villanova and Richmond are just two of those teams where they seem to – it takes a while to get things running for them. Well, and interestingly, I mean, Villanova lost 16-13 to Temple, FBS Temple yeah. this weekend. So, obviously, it was right there in the game. You know, yeah. I, I don't know the first thing about Temple generally, other than that they've been, you know, reasonably good in the American the last few years. And, no, uh, and, and, and Villanova's not beat to blow teams out. They're, they're beat to win with defense. Right. Um, that's kind of, you know, Bednarczyk, mm. was this his third or fourth year starting? Right. Um, he's solid. He's always going to be solid. I don't think he's going to be – nobody's going to confuse him with Loletta or, or Shore. No. I think he's a game manager, and I mean that in a complimentary sense. Not this, yeah. But that's not a team that's going to blow the doors off anybody. No. Um, so we'll see. But yeah. I, I just – the jury's still out on a lot of these teams. Yeah, and then Including a couple. Of, sure, and then a couple other CAA scores that were interesting this weekend. Um, nice to see New Hampshire um, take take down another FBS team, beating the uh, real GSU. That's Georgia yeah. Southern, who moved up to the Sun Belt. Um, I had sort of discounted New Hampshire as I as I tend to do, and, and Rob had reminded us at the beginning of the season in the preview that. 13 straight years in the playoffs is 13 straight years in the playoffs. Yeah. I've so. counted them out so many years and it, it's not smart to do. <laughs> no. And so a, a good, win, real good win for the CAA there. Um, and then lastly, I think one score that kind of jumped out at me from this weekend was Elon beating Furman 34, um, 31. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm Elon JMU has just handled Elon since they came into the conference, but I, I sort of live pretty close by and, They've been building a little bit, and they have a new coaching staff. And, I, I mean, we don't know anything about Elon or Furman, you know, going forward. But it was interesting to see sort of the – I mean, that's a good win over a decent, you know, Southern Conference team for Elon. So, oh, it's a great win. I, yeah. I think Elon's in that kind of winning is a habit sort of thing. Like, they just need to get some Ws under their belt. Um, yeah. You know, they picked up – they beat William Mary last year, didn't they? They did. Yeah, yeah I was, mean – no, they've been trending up. They've they've been outmatched the past couple of years against JMU, but I think they they're doing the right things. Uh, the new coaching staff is good. They've got a beautiful campus. You know, it's, it's a good mm-hmm. school. So it's small, but you know we've seen with some of the other smaller schools in the CAA that that shouldn't hold you back. Um, no. So I think things are trending up for them, which is good for the whole league. Yeah, and it'll be fun. <laughs> the last game of the year, JMU's down here again, and a gorgeous little stadium in Elon natural grass field, uh, which holds up well down here in the North Carolina weather. So always good to see. Um, and then the last thing we were going to do before we get to off topic this week is we were going to do a little uh, run, quick run through of things that have to happen for JMU to get game day. Uh, we all have heard, and I think it's been confirmed by some local newscasters and media folks in Harrisonburg that JMU is on the radar for October 14th. Confirmed being checking Twitter. That's right. And seeing Lee Fittings I, I did see David de Guzman, who's one of the local broadcasters down there in Harrisonburg, say that he did actually check in with the JMU athletic department about it. 
And then they, they check Twitter. Yeah, okay, so. And then they probably check Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as we did a few years ago or yeah, two years ago, you know, there's a bunch of games that, that have to kind of break. I mean, obviously the big thing with game day is what are the other, I mean, they're only going to go to an FCF school if there's not an enormous FBS game that weekend. Um, and the marquee game on October 14th, which did take a small hit this weekend, which was good for JMU is Auburn at LSU. Um, and Auburn losing to Clemson this week and helps that a little bit. Obviously, if LSU were to get there undefeated, it, it may not matter. They may go down there. Uh, the other thing that could happen is game day could – they don't often go to the same place twice in one year. So, for example, like Alabama and USC have home games on the 14th. They're not against particularly notable opponents in their schedule, but it, we'd like to think maybe – game day will get there a different week of the season when they play bigger teams. So that kind of takes them out. Um, Kansas State is one that could get there undefeated. Um, they host TCU that weekend, who's another top 25 team. So we're all need to root against Kansas State. Uh, the good news from this past weekend was Auburn lost and Stanford lost. So Stanford was hosting Oregon that weekend, or is hosting Oregon that weekend. So that's probably two off the list. Um, but I think Kansas State, um, one that I'm really concerned about is South Florida who's sort of the, I don't know, I, I mean, they're the one non-Power 5 team in the top 25 right now, which, you know, could be an opportunity if, if game day is going to go a little bit off the radar. Maybe they go to South Florida hosting UMass that weekend instead of JMU. So we'll all be rooting against the Golden Brahma Bulls of South Florida. Well, yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, right. Such a, such a polarizing team. That's right. Um we almost got a big one this weekend. It would have been nice. Uh, Georgia is a team that could get there undefeated and host Missouri that weekend. Um, they almost lost to Notre Dame this weekend, but did, did not. Uh, Georgia's a team we're all rooting against. Tennessee is a team we all need to root against. They host South Carolina that weekend. Um, and then just a couple of, I mean, Duke hosts Florida State, and obviously Duke beat, I think, a team in Northwestern that a lot of Big Ten folks were pretty high on this weekend. So, Duke hosting Florida State, if Duke were to make it there, would be certainly, I don't know the game day's been to Duke, but they would love that opportunity. Um, Louisville, we saw last weekend, they play Clemson, I believe, coming up this weekend, so root against Louisville. Um, yeah, but the, what, what weekend are we talking about, the 14th? The 14th of October, yeah. Yeah, but they got Boston College. College, yeah, that's certainly that, not that, a big that, that's, game. I mean, no. that, that's really, the reason why JMU's on the radar is because there are not that many marquee games. Correct. Uh, that week, it's yeah. kind of fallen in favor. Um, the one you got to look for, maybe Utah and USC. Yeah, I, I think, think that's that's one for I, sure. I think that really has potential. And then um, Nebraska and Ohio State, if those teams get running, you, yep. you never know. I mean, it's good that um, both Nebraska and Ohio State have losses. Both right have now. losses, yeah. Yeah, I mean, one that scares me for sure is the Red River, Red River Shootout. The, that is Oklahoma-Texas at the Texas State Fair. That weekend, um, not a favorite of ESPN because that game is usually on a different network. But if obviously Oklahoma, you know, is probably going to be number one or number two in the nation by the time that game happens. And even though Texas has already lost a game, that's a it's a sexy matchup yeah. um, every year. So, yeah, that's those that's probably the roundup. So we're rooting against at this point. Um, as hard as this, Rob and I were rooting against LSU, K State. No, I, I'm not rooting against LSU. Okay. <laughs> Georgia, Tennessee, yeah. um, Oklahoma, Bama, and USC. Um, yeah. We don't need everybody to beat them. I did. I did enjoy the students chanting "We want Bama" in the second quarter. <laughs> so yeah. of the JMU somebody game. also somebody also had um, 
some sort of sheet or poster hanging up in his or her window in Eagle Hall. We want Bama. <laughs> Good that work. Was, was, yeah, pretty pretty solid. I tried to snap a picture, but it was a little bit dark. Uh, was it was it high up or was it Eagle two hundred six? Uh, no, it was high up. Oh dang! It was All right. High up. Yeah, it was not was not your room. Not my room. All right. So to finish up this week, um, we put it out on Twitter a little bit. We just did it at the last minute, but we we were struggling to come up with an off topic. Uh, pick this week, and we we did brainstorm some ideas that I think will break out later in later in the season. But the one thing we were talking about this week is Rob and I are both huge, um, big soccer fans as well, and we follow the U.S. men's national team and women's national team pretty closely. And somebody asked what we thought about the U.S. men's national team's. I think it would be fair to say st- mighty struggles in the hexagonal qualifier from Concacaf oh. for next summer's World Cup. It's, it's been brutal. It really has. Uh, yeah, Rob, do you have any particular things you wanted to point out here? No, it just it's always difficult. I, I think one of the things um, I've learned is that even though I've come to just expect the U.S. qualifying, it's not a given. You know, this the Concacaf is not. You know, <laughs> you it's not Europe. It's not South nope. America. But there's some good teams. You know, Costa Rica is no joke. They're no. a very good team. Mexico is no joke. We know that. So. So right away, it's no longer just U.S. and Mexico and then whoever can sneak in. Right. Um, but now we're saying it's always been difficult going on the road in CONCACAF. Mm-hmm. So I think what really kind of worried me was was the loss here uh, to Costa Rica. You know, Costa Rica is a good team, but I did not expect the U.S. to lose 2 nothing and to look so Poor. kind of thoroughly disinterested yeah. um, throughout throughout the entire game. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, this is a tough... They began this qualifying cycle with the former coach, Jurgen Klinsmann, coaching the team and have obviously brought back former coach Bruce Arena at this point. And they had really been on track until this past couple games uh, since Arena came back. And let's just, I, I think the thing to point out is the U.S. has two games left. They have probably the easiest schedule of the team's. Uh, you know, remaining in contention. Mexico's already qualified. Costa Rica's already qualified. Um, the third place team will go. The U S is sitting in third place or they're actually in fourth place behind Panama who they play in the next game. They're only one point back. Basically they need a draw with Panama to get that one point. And then they close the qualifying at Trinidad and Tobago, who's the last place team in the group. So it's certainly not over. Um, I will say a loss to Panama in the next game would be I don't know, as, as horrifying as anything the U.S. national team has done in 20 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. And what, I mean, this, remember 2002? I mean, we were, we were you and I were at RFK mm-hmm. for that match against Honduras, was it? wasn't it? I think it was Honduras. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. So we've dropped points at home and come back. It's, it's no sure thing. Um, last World Cup, Mexico had to qualify through the play-in. They did. They went fourth. So, and then they went and they did, they did fine. They had a good World Cup. So it's a struggle. Ultimately, I do think. Uh, the U.S. will will qualify. Uh-huh. I'm I'm getting a little bit concerned with injuries. You know, Jeff Cameron going down over the weekend, it's just a hamstring. I think yeah. he's going to be out a couple of weeks, but that would be a big loss. Um, it would. I mean, the defense has been the the real. It's funny because for a long time, I think the d- defense was the pro- part we didn't have to worry about, and this whole cycle, it's just been atrocious and inconsistent, and they don't have any sense of who's going to be in the back for them from game to game. Um, they they miss. They certainly miss Brooks and Yedlin more than more than maybe we realized they would when those guys got hurt. Yeah. So 
Yeah, a couple interesting scheduling notes to finish up here on this is uh, the U.S., if they were to fall to fourth, to finish in fourth place and have to go to the playoff versus the Asian team, um, one kind of interesting political wrinkle is they could end up hosting Syria. Which, oh, yeah, they're, right. they're trying to qualify for the first one. Yeah, right, and be... they're, they're actually in the Asian playoffs. So they have, they, are in, they have one more game they have to win to get here. Um, but given the travel ban and all the sort of geopolitical ramifications, it would be interesting to see how the United States handled bringing a, a, you know, a contingent of Syrians here to the U.S. Yeah. Uh, for a one-night thing. Yeah. Interesting to say the least. Yes. And then uh, for me personally, Rob's going to hate this, but uh, the huge U.S.-Panama game is on Friday night. It's the first, I think the first Friday in October. And it is game one of the National League Division Series for the Nats. Oh. So, <laughs> so oh. that'll be a big, big sports night here in the Davis household. Oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ugh, just, no, just terrible. Just well, a terrible, terrible ball club. I really wanted to celebrate yesterday. My brother went to the Nats game and, and stayed afterwards when they clinched the division. But it's, it's hard to get too excited about clinching this year's National League East. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that's not really survival of the fittest. No. That's just, you know, oh, there's yeah. a terrible division. Um, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't checked in on the Mets game. As far as I know, nobody's arm fell off tonight or yeah. nobody, nobody, yeah, no head amputations or whatever the latest <laughs> catastrophe is. But um, when you clinch it, when you're depending on the result of a Marlins-Braves game to clinch, it just tells you everything you need to know about the division. That's right. So... That'll take us through this week's podcast. Um, thanks again to everyone. We are thrilled. We had more listeners than we ever had last week. Um, hopefully we won't disappoint those who come back this week. But we are so thrilled that everyone's getting on board with this. We know there's a lot of JMU media. I mean, it has exploded after last year more than it ever has. And as fans, we are thrilled to see it. Uh, we did. So you can hopefully... You, you're getting something out of this and you can continue to subscribe to us in the bumpers app or in the iTunes podcast store. You can just look up JMUSB and we're also going to have a new t-shirt. We were really excited to, uh, to see somebody posting their lock the damn gate shirt this week. <laughs> yeah. And, Saturday uh, morning. Yeah. Me surprise. And we may try to uh, get that one back up and running and available for fans, but um, we're really excited. We've got another one coming out here in the next couple of weeks and we'll, we'll be having a, Little bit, I'm sure we'll, we'll shamelessly plug it many, many times on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else on the blog. Yeah. Um, that, that'll be our launch party. We'll flood there, you with tweets. Yes, once we get it up and running. So yeah. thanks again. And uh, Rob, I will talk to you after the Norfolk State game. Yeah, have a good week, everyone. All right, go Dukes.